You're tuned in to the Kojo Namdi Show on WAMU 88.5. Welcome. Later in the broadcast, we'll explore the reasons some African Americans might be skeptical about getting a coronavirus vaccine. But first, President Trump continues to promote baseless claims of election fraud, and he's called for massive protests today as Congress votes to certify Joe Biden as the next president. Thousands of pro-Trump supporters are gathering downtown. Joining us now is Mike Litterst, the National Park Service Chief of Communications for the National Mall and Memorial Parks. Mike, thank you for joining us. Good to be with you again. I appreciate you having me on. Mike, what can you tell us about the permits for today's two demonstrations? What's the schedule? Where are the gatherings? How many people expected? We've got a, a couple events taking place today. Uh, the, the big one, the one that's uh, getting all the attention, is taking place on the ellipse. Uh, in fact, as we speak, uh, scheduled to go from 9 to about 3.30 today. Um, that was a March for Trump rally organized by a group called Women for America First. Um, and the organizers stated that they project about 30,000 participants to attend. The second is a smaller demonstration um, organized by a group called the Silent Majority. Um, Their event is, in their words, to support First Amendment rights, and they're on the mall uh, at 13th Street from about noon to 6 today, expecting about 250 people. Well, the National Park Service processes permits for all kinds of First Amendment events in D.C. Tell us a bit about the permitting process. What kinds of things do you consider, and does the group or the message play into whether it's approved or not? Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, As federal land, uh, the National Mall provides a, a, a wonderful forum in which citizens can express their rights of speech and assembly. Um... Permits are issued. We look at a few things. First of all, is the area that's requested available on that time and date? And then the main thing that we're looking at is, are organizers able to ensure that there won't be any damage to the park? We're looking for preservation of our our park resources um, and the safety of not only the participant, but our park visitors uh, and our community, community members. So it's a deliberate process. And as you mentioned, um, as far as content is concerned, um, we absolutely do not take the content of the message uh, presented into consideration. We neither condone nor condemn um, the free speech that's being made. We merely provide the venue for its delivery, and ultimately, we the people will decide on the validity of the message. Mike, what's the role of the National Park Service during the demonstrations themselves? Well, our our main role uh, in all of these is in the permitting process. So in the run-up to the event, we'll work with the organizers to issue a permit, provide conditions under which the event can take place. And on the day of the event, uh, our main thing to do is to monitor the event and ensure that the conditions of the permit are being followed. So that can be anything from... You know, is the event accessible under the Americans for Disabilities Act, um, turf protection measures to, to protect the, the mall, um, and even ensuring that there are appropriate number of, of restrooms or medical aid facilities for the, the people that are attending. We're talking with Mike Litterst. He is the National Park Service Chief of Communications for the National Mall and Memorial Parks. Mike, D.C. police arrested 10 people last night on different charges, including gun-related charges. National parks, which include places protesters are gathering, like the National Mall, may have different rules. But what can you tell us overall about gun laws during these protests? 
quite simply, it is illegal to possess firearms on National Park Service areas, and this includes Freedom Plaza, the Ellipse, the Mall, uh, where these events are taking place. Um, additionally, district law prohibits anyone from carrying a firearm within a thousand feet of any First Amendment uh, activity. So, um, um, for anyone who is attending any of the events, um, firearms are prohibited. It's my understanding officials have posted signs explicitly prohibiting firearms in the protest areas? Um, that's correct. Um, there's been a lot of messaging. Uh, I believe the, the mayor uh, in her press conference a couple days ago mentioned that. Um, and there are signs posted um, at all times uh, in national parks uh, about uh, bringing firearms in. I'm assuming that NPS and the U.S. Park Police are coordinating with D.C. Police and the National Guard. How does that work? The National Park Service, of, of course, and the United States Park Police has a, a long history of cooperating with the local law enforcement uh, agencies in the area. Um, so we have been working with those partners. Um, there's a long history of managing demonstrations and counter-demonstrations in the city. Um, so the Park Police, their public safety partners are constantly monitoring for potential threats and have been working with the applicants, D.C. police, uh, and other partners to ensure that all the protocols are in place today for a safe event. Here's Robert in Silver Spring. Robert, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Kojo. I'm concerned uh, about the safety, too, and not the big things like the guns, but I'm wondering, I drove down through the mall about an hour and a half ago, and I would say the vast majority of protesters I saw did not have masks on. It seems to me like they're presenting a danger to the park police and other officials that are there or pedestrians or anyone else. Well, Robert, it is my understanding that the Metropolitan Police Department is not today at these demonstrations going to be in the business of enforcing the law requiring masks to be worn. But I don't know about the National Park Service, Mike. When we have large events or, or any events, part of the permitting process in the, in the COVID era, if you will, is to have a, a discussion about, uh, about COVID mitigation with the organizers. Um, we um, include discussions in those plans, um, and we require a COVID mitigation plan as part of the permit to include social distancing, face coverings, temperature checks, hand sanitizing stations as appropriate. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, and consistent with practices of the D.C. government, while the Park Service strongly encourages those measures, um, we, are, we do not require nor enforce their use. Thank you very much for your call, Robert. Um, Mike, Women for America first estimated the size of their event today at 30,000 people. We're here, we'll be hearing soon from a report about what that turnout actually looks like. But the National Park Service doesn't offer its own estimates for demonstrations. Why is that? For many years, um, the, the Park Service and the U.S. Park Police did provide uh, a crowd estimate. Um, there was some fairly um, well-reported-on um, disagreement during the Million Man March um, <laughs> as to what the actual crowd size was. Um, in the, the months following that, um, there was some language placed into an appropriations bill that uh, effectively forbid the Park Service from um, making crowd estimates 
and we have maintained that posture ever since. I remember the late, great Dick Gregory used to say, just say goo gobs if people were there, goo gobs. Mike, looking ahead for just a moment, the presidential inauguration is just around the corner. What can you tell us about plans for that day in terms of both the inauguration itself and surrounding protests? Uh, plans are still evolving. Uh, the National Park Service has a, has a, a, a major role uh, during the inauguration because we provide a lot of the, the, the locations where some of those events take place. Um, in, a re- in a normal inauguration, if you will, crowds will gather on the mall to, to watch the swearing-in ceremony. Um, they'll gather along Pennsylvania Avenue on our sidewalks to watch the parade. Uh, there's often an a, a, a inaugural kickoff concert at the Lincoln Memorial. So we are still working with the presidential inaugural committee as, the, as their plans evolve um, and uh, still working through what some of these reimagined events are going to look like uh, in the era of COVID. Um, but we will, as always, issue permits for the events to take place wherever the pick decides to have them. Um, and additionally, we will also host uh, demonstrations um, um, of all stripes in the days leading up to, during, and following the inauguration. So our permit staff is, uh, is quite, a, uh, quite a bit busy this, uh, this month between the inauguration <laughs> permits and the various demonstration permits that they'll be issuing. Mike Litters is the National Park Service Chief of Communications for the National Mall and Memorial Parks. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Kojo. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Joining us now is Daniela Cheslow. She is a reporter for WAMU. Daniela, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kojo. It's my understanding, Daniela, that President Trump called on supporters to gather at 11, and it's my uh, understanding that he's speaking to the crowd right now. Where are you right now, and what are you seeing? Kojo, I'm at the foot of the Washington Monument, and just around a little further, Trump is speaking to supporters right now. He's been telling them things like the media is the problem, or there have been two elections and I won them both. The crowd is enthusiastic. It's big. It's thousands of people. They're waving Trump flags and they're shouting, you know, stop the steal and fight for Trump. Trump supporters began gathering yesterday at Freedom Plaza of the 80 percent coalition, supposedly the 80 percent of Trump voters who uh, don't believe Joe Biden won the presidency. Anything to report? And do we know how many people came out? There were there were quite a lot of people who came out yesterday, and a number of them later in the evening, I believe, were arrested. My colleagues Martin Ostermuel and Rachel Kurzius were following that, and Jenny Gasright was on the scene there. Today, the the scene has been quite docile, although people have said things like they're willing to fight, and there have been people here who look like they're wearing tactical gear. I haven't seen any firearms here. Um, and I've seen in general people who are, are more interested in talking about their grievances than in fighting about their grievances. President Trump made any specific suggestions to the crowd about how it can go about preventing Congress from ratifying the Electoral College vote? You know, he hasn't really been talking in specifics. And I think that's something that you're seeing people kind of reach the end of the line here at the protest, because they'll tell me things like I met a couple uh, who came in from Philadelphia. They believe their vote was stolen there. Um, But then they don't really have a plan going forward besides saying, we'll come here and we'll fight. And so the president has said things like the vote was stolen from you or the Democrats took advantage of the pandemic to take advantage of your vote. But I'm not hearing exactly, 
much in the line of tactics. He did say uh, he called on Mike Pence to do the right thing, as he put it. Uh, in other words, to not certify today's uh, election results. But other than that, I'm not hearing a lot of direct okay. call to action. Going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with Dana Fisher, a professor of sociology at the University of Maryland and the author of American Resistance from the Women's March to the Blue Wave. And with Daniela Cheslow, I'm Kojo Nandi. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. Welcome back. The demonstrations that President Trump called for are taking place today, even as we speak with President Trump currently speaking to the demonstrators. Daniela Cheslow, Mayor Bowser, and other city leaders have asked counter-protesters and city residents to stay away from the demonstrations today. Some say they plan to be there anyway. Are you seeing or hearing about any counter-protesters out there now? Well, Kojo, I hope you can hear me in the wind here. Uh, yes, the mayor did call on... Pardon? Okay, we can great. Hear you. <laughs> yeah, there were some activists who called for a training last night in Kalorama to uh, to help people who opposed these demonstrations today to do it safely. However, looking around the crowd here, I have not seen any of them. Um, it's been, pardon me, it's been primarily Trump supporters, and if there are people from the Black Lives Matter community. They're not exactly here on the Washington Monument. On the other hand, um, Black Lives Matter Plaza, I believe, may have been closed, or at least these protesters have been staying away from it. Joining us now is Dana Fisher, professor of sociology at the University of Maryland and the author of American Resistance from the Women's March to the Blue Wave. Dana Fisher, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kojo. You've been studying protests for more than 20 years. Is it common to see elected officials ask counter-protesters not to come out or engage the other side? That's actually quite uncommon. Usually you uh, would expect to see elected officials saying participate in your, you know, opportunities to engage in free speech, free assembly, just do it peacefully. The problem is in this situation, we have people who applied for peace, you know, for permits for peaceful protest, who at the same time have been documented calling for, you know, acts of warfare. I mean, basically, we just saw Rudy Giuliani earlier addressing the crowd saying that there should be trial by combat. So this is not necessarily a peaceful crowd. And as a result, the mayor decided to take this stand and ask for counter-protesters to, you know, to not come out and not at least come downtown to engage with the protesters who are there. Dana, you've talked with some groups who've held counter-protests to pro-Trump rallies before, like DMV Black Lives Matter. Do you think we could see some counter-protests today, and are they taking any other action that is not in-person counter-protesting? Well, so far, what we've seen is a lot of these local groups, including uh, DMV, uh, Black Lives Matter, as well as Shutdown DC, have worked very hard 
to lobby local businesses and hotels not to um, allow what they're calling, you know, white, suprem- white supremacists to stay at their hotels. And, you know, they basically are pointing out that the Proud Boys are out marching, are instigating, are attacking people, shouting hateful things. And actually some of them, I believe, were arrested last night because they had firearms. So that's what the local groups have been doing. And, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, taking this tactical stance makes a lot of sense. Uh, at, at the same time, we see those groups saying that they're out to support others who are concerned But I think that, you know, a lot of people are taking to heart that there is a bigger risk here. And what we saw last night, if you looked at video coverage of uh, the conflicts that happened downtown last night, it was the basically Proud Boys and white supremacists, you know, basically clashing with the police. And if there had been counter protesters there, what we would have seen instead is this conflict that would have turned probably a lot more violent. So in a lot of ways, what we're seeing is these local groups standing back and letting the Proud Boys do what they want to do and deal with the fact that they're breaking the law so the police will stand in or law enforcement will come in and deal with them. Here's Helen in Cleveland Park. Helen, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, I just spent two hours down on the mall and I had a wonderful experience. And I think it was just really great to meet people from all over the country who were being peaceful and I think it makes me feel better about what they want to achieve in life. I mean, I, you know, they want to be happier and have a better life. I don't think they know what to do about it, but it was just a wonderful experience. And I think it's great to go down there. And it was very peaceful. Thank you very much for your call. Well, Daniela Cheslow, President Trump not only called on his supporters to gather and protest today, presumably in the manner that Helen saw, but he also predicted that crowds would be wild. What are you seeing so far and what concerns are you hearing from officials? I have not seen this crowd being wild, but I think as your other speaker was saying, you know, last night there were 10 arrests on gun-related charges and assault, assault on a police officer or crossing a police line. So it might be that this is the kind of thing where by day you have quite a uh, calm um, and restrained demonstration. And then as the night goes on, there would be some sort of other tone that people take. And certainly that's something that we've seen here in the past. On July 4th, there were a lot of Trump supporters who came into Washington to watch the fireworks display right here at the National Mall. And I was there for that. And in the daytime, it was pretty relaxed. And at night, um, a group of Black Lives Matter supporters came down. There was some conflict between the Trump supporting group, the Black Lives Matter group. Ultimately, the two groups kind of started to scuffle with each other. I saw one one uh, Trump supporter pepper spraying someone then. So these these events are volatile. While right now, at the mall at least, it seems calm, it's, it could go either way as the day goes on. And some would notice the irony that as a private citizen, President Trump put out a full-page ad in the New York Times asking for young black men who were out, quote-unquote, wilding to be given the death penalty, and now he's now calling on, predicting that his own crowds will be wild. But be that as it may, Dana Fisher, can you tell us how demonstrations like these compare to protests from left-leaning folks, like those who engaged in protests in response to the murder of George Floyd this summer? Well, I mean, that's a really interesting comparison. So what we saw this summer is that uh, protests erupted across the country after George Floyd was murdered. And those protests started out peaceful. There was, um, you know, a number of incidents of um, property destruction. And there was a lot of information and a lot of discussion about um, pulling down statues, for example, 
Um, but we have, I mean, and there were clashes as well with the police. But one of the things that's really interesting about the post-George Floyd protest period is that we saw, you know, lots of younger people, lots of people of color coming out. And I think that there's, you know, a lot to be said for the, the role that COVID and people recovering or, or coming out of a lockdown or responding to the lockdown played in that because we see more younger people coming out because older people, particularly left-leaning older people, were very concerned about being at risk. At the same time, I, prote- I collected data at protests starting right after George Floyd was murdered through um, the Women's March in October. We- these are all left-leaning protests, in- collecting data in D.C., New York, and Los Angeles. And in all cases, we saw everybody masked. And there were attempts, at least, to maintain social distance. I mean, the March on Washington in August, people got crowded, but people were really trying to maintain social distance. What I've seen from these um, pro-Trump rallies that have been taking place today, as well as yesterday's event, is that people are not masked, and they are really not enforcing any type of, of social distancing whatsoever. So that's really different. In addition, we see almost entirely white, you know, older crowds out there in the streets. Daniela Cheslow, there was violence the last time the Proud Boys and other Trump supporters gathered here in December. They also vandalized houses of worship, including two historically black churches. The district has mobilized the National Guard, even though it's my understanding that they are not armed, and the MPD. Uh, What are you seeing in terms of officials doing to keep people safe today? I'm not seeing a huge law enforcement presence here on the National Mall. And it might be that because the primary, the, the largest number of people here are from one political camp, there doesn't seem to be a lot of scuffling. That said, you know, Trump has been speaking while we've been talking, and now the crowd is dispersing, and so we might see that change. Um, and, and also to the note about COVID uh, adherence and mask adherence, certainly here the vast majority of people I'm meeting are not wearing masks. I met a nurse who came in from St. Louis, and she's been participating in some medical trials around COVID. I asked her why she wasn't wearing a mask. And she said she was taking her own precautions and drinking tonic water, uh, which has quinine in it. Um, but I don't believe that's been proven to be a medical uh, treatment or prevention strategy that works for preventing COVID. Dana Fisher, we only have about 40 seconds. Today's demonstrations are very similar to Trump rallies. In fact, he explicitly called for them. What will protests look like on the right if President Trump is no longer in the public spotlight? Well, once President Trump is no longer in this in the spotlight, I imagine that we will continue to see right-leaning protests. Today's event is really a political rally. I mean, you have basically the president of the United States leading a rally right now. And what we'll see now is the crowd dispersing and taking, having responded to, you know, uh, orders from, you know, the, the president of the United States in terms of what they think they should be doing now. And that's really different from uh, peaceful protests or even confrontational protests. We'll still see that. I imagine that we'll see okay. um, mm-hmm. a lot of the more moderate people starting to get more engaged in their politics locally okay. and, you know, and not seeing Fred, as much. Fred, that's all, all the time we have. Daniela, Dana, thank you both for joining us. I'm Kojo Nandi. Thanks for listening to The Kojo Namdi Show. And if you're already a member of WAMU 88.5, thank you for your support. If not, it's easy to give online at wamu.org. Just click the Donate button, and thanks.